Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we build products and companies. Each week we'll give you an honest peek into our lives and we'll share our struggles, our wins and everything in between. I'm Benedict and I'm feeling productive for a change. Ooh, I'm Benedicta. Today is August 16th. This is episode number 150. Wow. And I'm feeling playful. So what's like up? Should... Why are you productive? <laughs> yeah, I feel like we should celebrate. Not that I'm productive, but it's episode 150. Like that's a with what? I, I, it it sounds like a big deal, but I haven't considered it until I typed in the number and was like, oh, interesting. It's like a really nice round 150 number. So yay! And it also means like yay! we've been on for like <laughs> what? What was the first episode you joined? It was. I have no idea. 98 or something like that. I, I remember we did like a new round of intros for episode 100 mm, where you were yeah, like relatively new, new to the team. And um, so, yeah, it's it, your your actual milestone has been a couple of episodes ago, but I guess this is your at least 50th episode. <laughs> wow. I feel accomplished now. In addition to playful. <laughs> Showed I mean, up, I'm, slow and steady. Showing you up. Joined, uh, you joined more than a year ago, like, apparently, like by, by that definition, or almost a year, exactly a year ago. I should probably check my notes. <laughs> I thought this, I thought I joined like in the springtime. So, but maybe I was completely wrong in my, my memory of that. This, uh, but not this, know, this year, right? So maybe some of the listeners know better than we do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is the worst celebrate hundred and fiftieth celebration ever. Yeah, like we'll do it's, better uh, for the two hundred. Let's plan something for the two hundred. We have a year. Yes, it's yes. Let's do something proper for the two hundred. Actually, I'm checking the notes right now, and mm -hmm. I think because you interviewed me, and then I yeah, I interviewed you on later. episode so ninety three. Mm-hmm. And then you joined on episode 95. So it's your 55th wow. episode. <laughs> also a round number. This is, uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if I feel better or if I just feel even older than I've <laughs> lately. <laughs> Time just flies. Um, yeah, like days. it was June 15th, uh, the first episode where you were on as a proper yeah. host. So Proper yeah, so it was the spring. So I was remembering that correctly, but I guess we missed some episodes, or we had some two weeks in between episodes here for a while. So I guess that <laughs> yeah, changed yeah. it like up a we bit. Yeah, we skipped a little bit here and there, but uh, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, yes. Year, Fifty episodes. I don't know. And yeah, you you've been on for a really long time. Yeah, I, I stopped counting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's 150, but that's not quite true because I skipped a, a couple here and there, yeah. so who knows? Who knows? But back to your productivity. Yeah, I had a really good week last week. And that's kind of a surprise because the like, previous weeks um, weren't that productive and I felt like very scattered and like not getting anything done. But I'm not sure if like all culminated and like last week and like a lot of things just wrapped up and therefore it felt like a productive week or if it was actually a productive week i don't know but um i was able to finish that um refactoring of our front-end query builder 
implementation. So it's all working the same as it was before, plus a little bit of like uh, typing support that I mentioned. Um, but to be honest, now that it's done, I'm not happy with the result. Um, sure, it works f like functionality-wise. It's basically the same. But the implementation, I don't know, got a lot more messy and a lot more complicated. And it's a lot more spaghetti code compared to before. <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure if the like the refactoring part of the refactoring actually played out in in the way it should. Um, so I decided... Um, you went from to... clean code to spaghetti code? Is that what you're saying? Yes, basically, yeah. I mean, like, I added a new feature, like added the async stuff and the typing support and all of that. So I guess it wasn't a refactoring. It was actually adding a feature and the refactoring part is the refactoring part. The refactoring part is what has to come next. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like it's more like you, you completed it and now you have the knowledge to maybe be able to clean it up a bit again. Yes, yes. I, I think there needs to be another round of cleanup. And I'm like working on this and like looking at the result. It feels like I'm still working around an underlying issue in the logic or in, like in the design or whatever. And it feels like a lot of the complexity that I introduced or had to introduce is related to the fact that something on a deeper level isn't quite right. And um, as a result, I, I yeah paused my progress uh, or paused working on that last week then after it was basically done. And I could have like just continued and like trying to figure out what was wrong, but I decided to to put it on the back burner a little bit. Um, keep it like keep the problem in mind, but not like spend too much energy on trying to solve it right away. Um, but yeah, just like keep thinking about it like subconsciously and, and in my off time. And I don't know, maybe I have some revelation. And the next time I'm getting to it, I want to address it and um, clean a lot of things up and hopefully identify the underlying issue. Um, but yeah, so it still felt good to to get it working to prove that at least the idea is correct and it can be done in an async way. And yeah, like there's still there's still that part missing to be able to 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 clean it up and make it more robust because one of the issues is I don't trust the code because it's it feels like too brittle and too too complex and therefore I don't really want to ship it in that state, especially because it's a it's a core feature of the product. And um, if that part doesn't work, it can screw up a lot of things. Like if we, if you set up some conditions and we persist something else, um, that might not be a pleasant surprise when you suddenly your segments are including the wrong people and stuff like that. So I don't know, it feels like it needs another, it needs another iteration. Um, and hopefully by then it's, solid and good enough and feels right um so then we can can push it to production actually roll it out but um yeah feels like i got a decent chunk there sounds like you plan to like have it on the back burner because i think if sometimes when you pressure these things too much you just end up or at least i end up just refactoring in a circle 
like, okay, I'm going to get this done. And then it just like ends up being this never ending circle. And I don't really end up with anything better. Just spent a week doing basically nothing. Yeah. But yeah. It, like, you know, have it on the, in the back of your mind and you do other things, then suddenly it can click, uh, you know, in the shower or like probably when yeah. you're going to fall asleep. You'll be like, something like ah! that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to keep that notebook next to your bed so that you can capture it when it finally Yeah, exactly. Arrived. And also, I feel like if you're not taking a step back in situations like that, I feel like you often, because you're like, you have certain expectations or certain ideas stuck in your head and they might be the wrong ones. Um, and therefore, like your refactoring don't necessarily go anywhere because you're basically doing the same thing over and over again. And maybe you have some assumptions that are wrong, um, but you didn't realize or don't realize it just yet. So I feel like taking a step back and even probably forgetting some of those assumptions and <laughs> forgetting some of the concepts you you just thought about um might be helpful <laughs> um to just like start fresh and like have a clean like not a clean start but like have a fre fresh set of ideas or discover a few things again and maybe this time this time interpret interpret them differently especially like the code how it is now is different from what it was like two weeks ago and three weeks ago and so there was an ev evolution in there um, but maybe by looking at the current evolution, you get new ideas and new assumptions and new see new patterns that weren't there three weeks ago. Um, so yeah, I, again, I th I feel like it's good to take a step back and 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 not try to push it right away. So yeah. Anyways, that that progress was nice. Um, and um it's definitely even though it's not finished i feel like it's a it's an accomplishment um but i also after i then like put that part on the back burner i was able to implement um, a new integration basically within half a day so we now have an amplitude cohort sync in place similar to what we did for heap with external segments so you can basically sync amplitude segments to user list and update um, your user base uh, or well, segment your user base based on what they do in amplitude. And as I said, it was just half a day and I feel like most of it was finding a logo <laughs> as SVG <laughs> and like writing it's a description assembling. and um, yeah, like basically assembling. Like a lot of the Lego bricks needed for integrations and this type of integration, like segment sync integration, was already in place. It's working well enough. It's uh, the architecture of the um, yeah integration. The integration architecture is working the way it should, I guess. So it was basically creating a couple of new classes, a couple of background workers that would process the data, and that's it. Like it, it literally took half a day. Um, and it's not live yet because we still have to get it approved and stuff like that. And I also want to do a little bit more with Amplitude because they currently also support event streaming. So um, getting actual user data and actual event data from their system into ours, I think that would be super useful. So I'm still trying to get um, 
to get that implemented. Um, but yeah, like it's still a process or in the progress. So yeah, anyways, um, that was something we got done. And then the last thing we tackled or I tackled on the server side was, um, so what we did um, until now is basically we took Markdown as the source of truth and um, stored that in the database. So you'd add it like in the WYSIWYG editor, it has its internal data schema, would translate that into Markdown and send that to the server and we use that to store it and also to render to render everything. And while I still think that just storing HTML is too flexible because I mean, people can do all kinds of crazy stuff with it and then it becomes a nightmare to to have the, the WYSIWYG <laughs> editor work with that. So I think some limitations are a good idea. Markdown is definitely too limited and was causing more issues than it was solving, um, especially with stuff that we added like or, or had to add on top of it or want to add on top of it because Markdown doesn't, for example, doesn't support, um, at least not by default, um, defining image sizes or alignment or I don't know, stuff like that. Like basically anything you want to do formatting-wise that isn't supported by default Markdown, you have to kind of hack into it. So when we started working on a new editor, one of the goals was to get rid of Markdown and basically store what the editor itself uses as its internal format. So it maintains its own like syntax tree of whatever you type in there and however you format it. And we're basically, instead of turning that into Markdown, we're just storing that in our database. But that also means that on the server side, we have to redo how we render messages. Um, so instead of using a Markdown renderer, we now have to run, basically implement our own renderer. So that's one thing I did on um, on Thursday last week is taking that JSON syntax tree we get from the editor and writing writing a renderer that turns that into HTML. And um, that was relatively easy. Like it's not too complicated because in the end, the, 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 the document format is kind of similar to the HTML syntax tree. Um, but where it gets tricky is like making sure that the new rendering engine returns something very similar to what the old rendering engine would return for the same thing, but in more. <laughs> um, so the other thing I worked on last week was um, finding an a Markdown renderer implementation in Ruby that allows me to work on its AST to generate the new AST for the new document schema from whatever it's doing. Um, so unfortunately, the renderer we had, like we are currently using for just plain Markdown rendering, doesn't expose its AST, so you can't just like get raw HTML back from it. And now thinking about it, maybe I could have also like turned Markdown into HTML and then take the HTML and turn that into the new format, maybe that's something I should reconsider. But so far, what I did instead was um, finding a different Markdown parser and renderer, writing our own custom renderer that instead of rendering HTML, renders that new JSON document schema. And then I started like basically taking some sample emails from, from our current system 
uh, taking the markdown, turning it into a new format, turning that new format into HTML, and then comparing it to whatever the old markdown render would turn out in HTML, and then looking at the differences. <laughs> and that's a that is probably the hardest task in in all of this, um, because in the end, like. Why they might like might why why both implementations might return the same HTML, they don't necessarily have the same new lines, spaces, whatever. Like you can't, or even like stupid stuff like attribute ordering. Like if they even one the href is at the beginning and then the class, and then the other one is flipped, the strings don't match. So I uh, try to unify it somehow or have some way of comparing it but i don't know so far it, it didn't work so at this point i'm actually considering um yeah basically rendering like using like using chrome to render that html and then comparing screenshots instead of comparing html because in the end the the visual representation is what matters it's not it's not the code that matters um, but that's still an open question of how to do that. Could you use one of these um, HTML to HTML syntax tree so that you compare the syntax trees instead of the HTML? Because I'm guessing if you take two different HTMLs and then create the syntax tree, then the ordering of attributes and stuff won't matter because that would be yeah. norm or normalized or standardized. Um I tried that, like... yeah. But the problem is that, like most of, I, I mean, I'm sure this would work, but it probably also needs more. Like, there's more work involved than you think because, <laughs> like most, at, at least the the um, HTML parser that I tried will also include like all the new lines and uh, and all the white space and all of that. Even if it's mm -hmm. insignificant to the actual rendering, it will still be in the parse tree because, for most use cases, you want to preserve those and maybe just like change the URL or something and then return it back as a string, but like keep everything else in place and don't mess up the entire formatting. So that yeah. was one step I tried of like calling all the all the normalize and clean and ignore methods on that syntax tree that I could find, but in the end it didn't <laughs> it didn't work. So taking pictures um, and comparing pictures also a valid approach. Uh, and I think ultimately it might be the better idea because it frees us from producing the same HTML. Because one of the issues we also want to solve is that some of our emails just don't render nicely in 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 for example in Outlook. Um, because it just doesn't respect, like it doesn't know about some of the CSS attributes and stuff like that. So we have to wrap stuff in more tables than you'd actually want to just to get it to look right. Um, <laughs> Emails. So, so in the end, it feels like we want to compare the visual anyways because we one of the goals of this process is to change the HTML that we return. So looking at it and like comparing like the efforts needed to i don't know have like a html parser that is then lacks enough to ignore all the stuff we don't care about 
and like probably implementing our own HTML diff engine or whatever, or just like taking screenshots and diffing the screenshots. <laughs> probably the same amount of work so. and there's tools for that to compare like how visually equal are the, the images you know for for um right yeah what do we it's call that testing not end-to-end -end testing visual regression testing i guess yeah it's kind of it's kind of visual regression testing and i mean there are services out there like paid services i'm not sure if it makes sense to use one of those for that but i think there are also some libraries that that you can use so to just take screenshots of stuff. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, this will be a sort of a one-time thing. I'm I, well, I'll run those things a couple hundred times probably. Um, but it's not like it will be an ongoing thing, I guess. So you could add it uh, to maybe. your ongoing testing so that you know, with your automatic test, you do you render a couple of emails and make sure that they haven't regressed. Sure. Yeah. And then you'll need yeah, some of the similar tools in the tool stack. So maybe not as many, but it could be a way to get that onto your kind of testing yeah. stack. It might make sense to to actually use one of those paid services eventually and like to just stay, to make sure it stays consistent. But I guess for the initial validation phase of like just making sure none of the emails that are currently in the system like look like crap afterwards, I feel like the the services will get too expensive. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's a couple, it's a couple of thousand emails that I have to compare at least once, probably a lot more than once. Because uh, whenever I fix something, I have to rerun them all. So I guess it's more cost effective to just like write a crappy implementation using one of those libraries <laughs> and it doesn't have to be perfect <laughs> and production ready and whatever mm -hmm. it just do this job once so yeah um that's all the things i i got done last week and i'm you got so much I'm done quite quite happy with that yeah it was uh, it was was like at the end of the week i sent jane a message and was like i can't believe the stuff i got done this week like just look at this list it's amazing <laughs> Did oh, she give went, you a star? That was nice for a change. Did she give you a star yes, sticker? Yes, I think she did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's get some high fives for that. Um, yeah. the The only other thing I noticed um, was while looking at the the emails in place uh, already. So for like comparing them and stuff like that, I noticed that there there was a bug or there is a bug in our current editor implementation related to images. And we had a customer run into this a couple of weeks ago where they basically sent us an email telling us, hey, my images don't render in Gmail. And it was like, what? Why? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And then we noticed that instead of like having links to images, like image tags with, with a source attribute pointing to a URL, they were sending images with inline images like embedded into the source attribute, like full base uh, 64 encoded images in there. And at first we were like, why are you doing that? And like, that's, I mean, no surprise that doesn't work. And turns out like our old editor, when you drag and drop an image into it, it would that, just- embed. That's what it does. That's what it does, yeah. Oh. So, I guess this was like, we have image uploads and all of that in place, but I think we never, oh, well, obviously we never 
tested what's happening when you drag and drop an image from your file system into the editor. And it will just show up and it will just embed, embed the data right in there. So while I was aware of the issue, I wasn't aware how widespread of an issue it was because while looking at all the emails in our system, I saw a lot of those emails like with just like uh, megabytes of image blobs embedded into the messages. Um, so one of the next tasks on my list is actually cleaning up that data and moving those images out of there because otherwise it's not it's not sustainable well it's, it's not good for our database because it's way too much data um than should be in there and for like the that transformation step from markdown to the new thing that's i mean it will probably work but I, it's just ridiculous let's let's not do that i guess <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, one of my my tasks for maybe this week or, or early next week is like write a script that looks through all the messages in our database and extracts those megabytes of images out of it, uploads them to S3, and instead inserts the link to S3 in there. But yeah, the stupid stuff that's happening that you never realized. <laughs> but you're not doing that next week because what are you doing next week? Right, next week I'm taking the week <laughs> off. Um, so I'm not doing that next week. You're right. I'll probably do it when I'm back. <laughs> or this week, let's see. Let's see. But keep the vacation as a vacation. Yes, definitely. I got way too much stuff planned that I don't even have the time to do anything, <laughs> any, any, any work stuff. That's so. the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm the opposite. So I what go about on vacation you? and do nothing. Um yeah, I have a funny story from last week. As I said last week that we were waiting, we'd sent the proposal and we hadn't got any answer. And in the proposal email, I say that, you know, we'll we'll touch base with you next week. So that was Wednesday of last week now. And <laughs> I tried to find that email and I like searched two and then, you know, the name of the person and I couldn't find this email. And I did some more searching and then I found the email and I had sent it to Ula my partner because <laughs> he was on bc no he was on cc and then i was waiting you know to add the client email in there in case i've done that before we accidentally hit send before you're done with the email or something like that yeah. so i try at least for the initial email i try to like add the to field at the end so that i don't get kind of yeah nothing wrong happens turns out i hadn't added any to to field and and gmail <laughs> thinks that's totally fine you can just cc people you don't need to send it to anyone so it even got into our little sales system and everything so um great so i had to then on wednesday be like hey <laughs> you might be wondering where that email i promise you a week ago um where that where that uh or what happened to it um so he took that with like good humor he was like yeah he did wonder what happened to that email <laughs> <laughs> um and then he got back to us like really quickly so um you know that it's actually a sales trick be honest right yes it's a sales trick absolutely <sighs> no but that was just i mean it was just i was like what it's like i didn't even send the email <laughs> but 
I feel yeah. like maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago, I would have like almost cried myself to sleep doing a mistake like that. But now I'm like, you know, things like that happen. Um, and it does not mean that I'm a bad coder, <laughs> even though I can't use Gmail <laughs> properly. <laughs> so, uh, and he got back to us. He wants to do it hourly. So we had to kind of write a polite response where it's like, we don't do that. Um, and then we'll see what happens uh, to that. So it might not end up becoming a client, but funny story though. Um, and I will be checking the two field a lot closer <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> and then another funny story from last week when I was like, oh, I can't tell you what conference it is. And then after the show, you were like, what conference? Or after we recorded, you were like, what conference is it? And I'm like, oh, it's the Jamstack Conf by Netlify. And you went to their... <laughs> webpage and my picture is on there so it's obviously not a secret anymore i'm gonna be speaking at uh gems.conf in november right after the or right before the modern front end something something that i'm doing in london um so those are the two big conferences that i'll be doing this fall which is uh kind of cool awesome. so that will be san francisco and london i feel very metropolitan or whatever that is. <laughs> Just, so how how, uh, how much time is between the two? I think it's a week and a half or two weeks, maybe. They're quite close. Okay. Um, but those are also the only ones I'll be doing, I think. Because I looked at some in October, and I thought that's going to be too much if I do like in October and then do two in November since right. they're that close. So, yeah. And I also <clears throat> realized that I really... Because I, it's going to be on a big stage both places, um, and it's been a lot of, you know, doing online speaking and online things. And I noticed that when I was at the um, React Norway conference, where, where the stage wasn't that large, so it like felt good to just kind of stay behind the computer and do my live coding. But like when I saw some pictures from these like stage or the Jamstack.conf stage from earlier years, I was like, okay, I, I really want to practice and like be able to kind of like have that stage presence and kind of like use the whole stage and you know, do all those things that, you know, engage people. So I've been thinking about how I can actually make that happen. And we do have a friend who actually teaches people or teaches a musical, a musical, it's like a bachelor in muse, becoming a musical artist. I don't know what that's called in English, like, um, but it's an education. Anyway, so he helps them with like singing and stage presence. So I was like, Ooh, maybe I can talk to him and like have him just listen to my talk while I like walk and like give me pointers on kind of how to move and take up space. So we'll see. Cause I really want to, it would be fun. Like if it was, if it was actually good, not just like, Oh, it was a nice talk, but actually like, wow, like that was a good talk. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah totally. and i think i can do it i just need to practice but my problem is that i hate to practice and i do procrastinate <laughs> so i need to like have a um program in place and phil from netlify when he kind of told me i i got accepted i asked him like you know can i book some some times with you to like do a run through and he was like yeah sure so i'm just gonna use all of those to tools kind of to to have a run through with him and have a run through with other people so that I actually have some real deadlines and not just like practice in my living room to my stuffed animals kind of because then I'll just postpone the thing and especially since it's also in San Francisco traveling that far I don't want to spend like the last three days making my talk in San Francisco I kind of want to enjoy 
San Francisco. So we'll see how that goes. Everybody can hear how that goes in November. <laughs> I've had these plans before, but this time it's going to happen. So keep me accountable, everyone. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we also had, and funnily, like my face on this webpage is above Colby from Cloudinary that we also had a meeting with last week. And it went really well. They want us to continue maintaining their plugins. So we're going to be um, sending out a, a proposal on that this week for like how we envision a future collaboration on the plugins. And we were kind of, we were very much aligned when we were talking in the meeting. So I hope that, um, you know, this comes to fruition because that would be uh, fun. And uh, I can also, you know, hang out with Cloudinary again in, in San Francisco. Um, and they were saying they're going to be hiring some more DevRel people at some in the near future. So heads up if you, you're looking for a de uh, DevRel position. They've been really, really easy and fun to work with. So I can recommend that. And then in kind of similar fashion, I've been talking to New Line uh, about producing courses. So instead of doing it myself and kind of like being in charge of everything, they have a program where um, they kind of produce it. They give you deadlines, which I obviously need, which everybody who's been listening <laughs> to this show for a while. I need some external accountability and some external deadlines. Um, and they also do books, but they recommend that you start with a shorter course. So I propose doing a course on how to create your own Gatsby plugins, of course, and then talk. And I mentioned to them that it would be nice, you know, if there is a teaser at least out so that you can sign up for it when I'm doing the talk in at gems.conf so that it kind of all ties together. Um, and I think they said like two to four months to produce one of these courses if you do it part-time. So that kind of lines up pretty nicely with um, the Gemstack conference. And it's going to be, you know, about things that I'm already having to prep for the talk. So I'm hoping that that also comes to fruition. And then things that, like you've been saying, like you said, with your week where everything kind of comes together, I'm feeling that things are starting, like all of the little things and feelers that I've been putting out over the last year is kind of like coming together this fall. If we can, you know, both have um, our plugin clients and I'll do the plugin talks and then have a plugin course. Um, it all kinds of uh, feeds into each other and um, lets me do different kind of activities, which I've realized is really important to me. And that's also why it could be really fun to produce a course with somebody else. So I still get to do, you know, some of the activities that are different from coding because I'm, I'm imagining I'm going to do the videos and stuff, but I'll have help, you know, creating the outline and help marketing and also help editing the videos, I think. Um, so I don't have to do it all myself because then it would become a full-time thing. Um, but I get to then have different kind of activities throughout my um, work months but they all kind of work towards a common goal of becoming the Gatsby authority or being the Gatsby authority that I am. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, what's new line? I, it's the first time I'm hearing about this. So can, you, I, can you explain a little bit more? What I've you heard about them because I bought Amelia, and I'm not going to try to pronounce her last name, D3 and React book, or she has a D3 book. And then she also had some a course and some chapters on how to do D3 with React. And I really and really enjoy that book. So I think they started out with doing self-published um, programming books. And now they've turned into more of a subscription service, kind of like 
egghead, but not really like egghead, but um, where they usually, I think, sell the course for for a while as a standalone product, and then it kind of rolls into their subscription model. Um, mm-hmm. And and they have React courses, um, and they've been doing some really interesting kind of major they call them apps from scratch courses where you're like you create a full real estate listing application using react so that you kind of get to work through a whole project and those are like the larger ones but then the one that i might do then on um creating a react no creating a gatsby plugin would be more of a kind of a guide tutorial or something like that where it's where it's um yeah where it's a shorter thing where the course ends up being maybe four hours of video, I think was the kind of benchmark that they had. But then, and there goes my phone again. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it, yes. <laughs> I think it turns it off, turns itself off. Trying to keep it in another room, but then obviously I forgot to turn it off. Anyway, so I don't know if you know that's going to happen, but I'm going to create an outline and then we'll see if if that kind of uh, becomes something, something more. But I think that could be cool. This week is, you know, getting back into a lot of things and doing a lot of sales and some of that I find I find that find it hard to do. So now I'm using the Superbase hackathon as my kind of procrastination but also kind of my price. So if I get to my other stuff and just do it fast instead of procrastinating, then there's time left over that I can spend on my Superbase hackathon entry. And for follow, you know, long-time listeners, I have had this issue for a long time where I'm not allowed to follow any more people on Twitter because I follow about 5,000 people. <laughs> and you're not allowed <laughs> to follow more than 5,000 people. I've been on the platform for almost 15 years. So obviously there's a ton of these people that I don't need to follow anymore. But Twitter makes it really hard because when you click on your like following list, it just gives you the last people you followed on top. And those are obviously the people you want to follow. And I wanted a way to kind of sort and look through my follower, following or following <laughs> um, the people I follow. Like this, this is very confusing. These, uh, this terminal terminology. Um, and it's already been like super helpful. Cause so what I do now is that, you know, you create an, you create an account and then, um, I go and fetch all of your uh, all of the people that you follow and then sort it and then show it to you in a list. And the default I have now is where I show you the people with the lowest average tweets per year on top. And I already found like a bunch of people to unfollow because there's people there that I followed maybe 15 years ago and their average is down by, down to zero now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. because they've been there 15 years and had maybe what 10 tweets when I followed them and then they never used the platform so that's kind of fun though because it's like it looks really awful you know it's just like unstyled and everything but like already it's giving me that you know the benefit that I need so I might not like make it into like a really good like you know perfect thing but at least I get some value out of it and yeah. then you might not even be allowed to make a thing out of it because I remember like in the early days, I had a similar idea of having an app that would basically monitor the people you follow for a couple of keywords. And if they keep tweeting about those keywords, you'd automatically unfollow them. 
And that app got removed uh, before it even got anywhere because it was against their terms of services. <laughs> they have, you are now allowed to unfollow people if you have the, if you have the, the person's like personal access token. So mm, your kind of okay. my app token cannot unfollow people for anyone, of course, because that would be insane. Um, sure. But then if you get their kind of personal access token, you can unfollow people, but you can only unfollow a certain amount per 15 minutes or something like that. Mm. It's quite low. So, you know, with the way I'm doing it, I would probably not do it automatic at all. Like you will have to like press a button in my little application to do unfollow. Right. Yeah. But then I had a little thing with Superbase because they have Twitter integration, so Twitter authentication integration, but they do it um, the way like version one or like OWASP version one and not version two. So I'm not getting their kind of personal access tokens. So right now I'm just using mm. my own admin or my own kind of app token but then again that might be good enough and i'll just have a link to twitter and they can go and like unfollow people on twitter and then they can mark yeah. it as like resolved or something in my app and then it, that, that person doesn't show up in their lists anymore when they're like sorting so that will be the first iteration because i'm thinking that superbase will fix this because i saw some issue on it so maybe in a couple of months you know they'll also provide me with the person's actual you know personal token that i can use and then i'll upgrade then instead of spending a lot of time coding like a workaround yeah. when it's just like a hackathon entry and just for fun but it's totally. also a lot of fun to just code something for like nothing yeah just like you know feeling playful as i said in the beginning <laughs> but trying to minimize and that's what i thought was cool because the hackathon is only weak so this is not like something that I will end up spending a lot of time on for like, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm just going to do that entry. I'm going to unfollow a bunch of people and then kind of that is done. And it's a, just like a fun thing to do side project, hobby, whatever we want to call it, just to do, to do some playing and not everything has to turn into a business, right? Exactly. And it feels so good that it's like, and then you can be like, you know, it's not, Something where even if people use it once, they don't need it to exist next year. Like it's not, I'm not promising right. anything. So people can use it a little bit and then it can just like fall apart and who cares anyway. Uh, and I also done some more fun stuff. I was a little, I've been saying I've been like eager and anxious and other kinds of things after we came home because I'm so eager to get back to work and kind of, and I realized a lot of that was just like, I was family up like <laughs> there's too much family time i think uh parent listeners might recognize this feeling where uh you kind of just like need some alone time so this on sunday i actually went to a free concert series or like a free concert in the middle of oslo manu chow came and I remember listening to him when I was in Guatemala backpacking when I was 19 years old and like seeing the world for the first time alone. So I went to his concert and it was amazing. I was just like alone in a large crowd dancing and just enjoying myself so much. Then I like met a friend and uh, I'd prepared for that. So I'd brought two wine glasses so she also could have some wine. <laughs> And then we ended up seeing the next two concerts. And the, the third concert was actually like a, a superstar from Pakistan. 
So I ended up just like being in a group and just like dancing again a lot to this uh, superstar who I'd never heard about and had some amazing music. And then after that, I went for Midnight Swim and I've been feeling refreshed ever since. Like I'm just like, that was all it took, like one night. That's awesome. Of, <laughs> of just independence and like being my own person. And I didn't even bring my phone so nobody could like call me or send me photos or like anything. I just danced, drank some wine, and went for midnight swim, and all is good in the world. So I need to remember that and do more of that. Yep, yep. <laughs> Sounds like we all need to do more of that. <laughs> we all need to do more of that. Um, and I think, yeah, I think next week also I gathered some friends and we're going to be doing Artist Way. I think I've talked about that before, which is like a super hippie, dippy book from the 70s, self-help book from the 70s, which is about finding your like inner artistic self or something, inner <laughs> artist child. Um, but part of her kind of program is morning pages where you write every morning, just a stream of consciousness, uh, two to three pages. And I've done that now for a couple of weeks and it's been really helpful. But then her other thing is that every week you should do a two hour art artist date, she call it, where you do something for two hours only for yourself. Where you're just like, and you're not, it's not so that you can brag about it. So like, if you don't want to go to a museum, don't go to a museum, like go do something that you thoroughly enjoy. And often she said, explore things that you really enjoyed doing when you were a child or like a lot younger um, because it's supposed to just be about like, you know, creativity and joy and just taking that time to yourself. And it's so much harder to do than it sounds. Cause like, you're like two <laughs> yeah. hours, like to do something fun, like, yes. And then week after week, you're like, what? no, I didn't do it this week. I didn't do it, you know, next week. So um, I'm gonna, yeah, we're gonna do the book again with a group of friends and and we'll see see how that goes. But I do I do recommend the book, uh, but you gotta, gotta have a little bit of an open mind and um, yeah, cause uh, it's American, it's hippie and, uh, and all of those things, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, but it was very helpful for me the first time I kind of went through it just to um, figure out what you actually want to do here in the world. Blah blah. blah. <laughs> yep, yep. So you're not here next week. We're gonna have, and I'm trying not, to, you know, to butcher that. Let's just say the founder of Feather. So, so that's a um, service that takes you takes your no notion. Uh, you can blog in Notion and then turns it into a web page for you. So he's going to be on. I'm going to interview him next week. He is a lot younger than us, which I find very fascinating. So if you have any questions for him, then just DM me and I'll try to get them in there. Sounds good. Looking forward to listening to the episode. Yes. And enjoy your vacation. <laughs> Thank you. So talk to you in... Two weeks. Two weeks or so. <laughs> and see you around the interwebs. Yep, definitely. Bye. Bye.